Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio, Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game. Oh, the momentum is with them now. Including the Women's Super League. Clean off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area. World beating, big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scored. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello and welcome to this very special Women's Football Weekly with me, Faker Others. What a week it has been for women's football. Still no live action yet, but we've got so much to discuss for the next hour. The FA has confirmed England manager Phil Neville will leave his role next summer. So what is next for the Lionesses? The announcement of this news was leaked a couple of days before an official statement. So the FA under criticism again. And of course, the elephant in the room, who will be the next England manager. I really couldn't discuss this without the help of the UK's top women's football journalists, who I'll introduce you to shortly. And of course, I want to hear from you guys as well. Get in touch on Twitter, at TalkSport2. Let me know your thoughts. We also have a treat in store for you tonight, because we're going to be hearing from not one, but two FAWSL players. England and Arsenal's Leah Williamson, and Scotland and Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert have been playing football today. Not on a pitch and not against each other, but once they're on the same team, all in the name of the NHS. That's all coming up on Women's Football Weekly Special right here on TalkSport 2. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Georgia Stanway and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. So following that massive news confirmed on Friday that Lionesses manager Phil Neville will be leaving the job next year, we had a poll running on TalkSport's Twitter account asking, should the FA appoint a new manager now? We'll tell you the outcome of that soon, but in the meantime, I want you to get in touch now with your thoughts and opinions on this week's news. Get involved, tweet us at TalkSport2, or you can use the hashtag TSWFW, and we'll be reading out your tweets throughout the show show but we need to get the ball rolling so much to discuss assisting me this evening three of the industry's best women's football journalists rebecca myers of the sunday times susie rack of the guardian and writer rich laverty welcome all of you just to clarify for everyone there's no breaking of the social distancing rules here all of you are broadcasting for your own homes so we're reliant on the wonders of technology let the discussion commence and of course, where do we start? I suppose, first of all, we should ask, did this come as a surprise to any of you? It's obviously been on the cards since the coronavirus has changed the footballing landscape and the global tournaments, hasn't it, I suppose? Uh, Rebecca, we'll start with you. Were you surprised? I have to say I, I was a bit. I mean, certainly it's not a surprise in the sense that we suspected that that contract may not necessarily would be renewed. You know, we knew that was kind of um, definitely up in the air as it were and certainly there was no guarantee that Neville himself wanted to renew that we we weren't sure but I think the timing and obviously it did feel quite sort of out of the blue it, as you mentioned it, it was leaked in advance um and I guess the way it's been handled um and the the timing have definitely been the surprise for me 
Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point, isn't it, Susie? I mean, the, the, the timing did seem a little bit strange. Oh, Susie's not there. Let's ask Rich the same question. Timing was a bit odd, wasn't it, Rich? It was, definitely. I, I agree with Rebecca in that it just seemed very odd that they decided to announce it now. You know, the tournament, well, the Euros now, obviously, and, and the Olympics. The Olympics is 15 months away, and he's going to be under contract until next July. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see what the process is going to be like. Now, I, I still can't picture... You know, Phil still being in the job come July, I think they're going to have to come to some agreement because if he doesn't lead Team GB, you can't have um, a new head coach coming in, you know, what, two weeks before a major tournament. So, yeah, I think like Rebecca, I was just very surprised by the timing of it more than anything. Yeah, we. I mean, Rebe also, sorry, Rebecca, after you, go for it. Sorry, I was just going to I was just going to add to that, obviously, also, I mean, talk about social distancing as, as we all are. But, you know, players are isolated. They're alone in their houses. They're not able to have that team environment that, that they're used to. And, and by announcing it at a time like this, obviously, that is quite difficult for people to, you know, express emotions and talk about things in a way that you have to when a manager leaves. Yeah, that's a really interesting point and something I was going to ask Susie. Susie Rack from The Guardian, obviously I saw you tweeted uh, players weren't happy with how it was handled, some of them finding out from the newspapers first. Uh, just to recap for everyone, it was the Times chief sports correspondent Matt Lawson who broke the news exclusively last Wednesday. The FA, as I said before, did not confirm until Friday. Um, I mean, from a player's perspective, not a great look really, is it? No, it's really not. It's, um, uh, you know, very, very difficult for any player to find out their manager's going in that way through the national press rather than directly from them, let alone from the organisation that is that is getting rid of uh, rid of them in the first place. Um, like, I understand that there's a lot of anger behind the scenes um, about the way they found out and about... Uh, the way the whole situation has been handled. Um, like Rebecca made the really excellent point that they're very, very isolated. They're all separate. They're only communicating via, uh, you know, social media and um, Zoom, things like that in the same way we are. And that's not ideal when you're um, kind of having to figure out who you've got to impress for the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, certainly. I mean, when I've spoken to players, I spoke to Alex Greenwood a couple of weeks on Women's Football Weekly or on TalkSport 2, and she was basically saying that the mood was great within camp and they were all doing a Zoom quiz and they'd been chatting and in regular contact. But, I mean, th this is something that, that will have blindsided them completely. Do you think they'll have lost a little bit of, of trust in Phil Neville that, that, that perhaps they, they found it out from other sources rather than him telling them directly? It's hard to say because um, if it's like it was leaked, so it's not necessarily his fault that they weren't told first. So I don't think they can necessarily be frustrated with him per se. I think they'd be very frustrated with whoever leaked it to the Times um, and to the BBC as well that he was potentially going to be um, have his have his future discussed uh, in a meeting last Thursday. Um, I think that's where the frustration is going to be mainly at the leak and where that's come from rather than necessarily Phil Neville unless he leaked it. Yeah, I mean, and, and that is, uh, you know, a little bit of an elephant in the room. There's quite a few elephants in the room <laughs> lurking around, aren't there? But, you know, that certainly is is one of them. Did he want to go? Um, you know, and and the other point that, that, that Rich made um, is, is about the Olympics and, and the timing with this. And we have spoken um, about that in depth. We'll go into it more as the show goes on. This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Um, but the timing is very important because... We don't know if Phil Neville actually wanted to leave. If he did, would that mean a payout, for example? I mean, is that something the FA would be able to do, uh, Rich, when people are on furlough? It's not a good look. Yeah, I, I think the biggest problem is that, you know, nothing in terms of his contract has actually changed. His contract was always going to expire in 2021. It's still expiring in 2021. Obviously, everything has shifted around that. The problem is... The announcement has just raised more questions than, than there already were because, you know, we don't know who's going to take Team GB. We don't know if a new manager is going to come in now. We don't know if one's going to come in at Christmas. We don't know whether one's going to come in 
before or after the Olympics. And, and obviously with the current situation, we don't even know when there's going to be a game or a camp. So, you know, the flip side of it is maybe the FA are looking at that and saying, look, we decided to announce this now. There's no real rush to announce a new manager because, you know, we can't even play games at the minute. You know, domestic football hasn't come back. And so we don't really know when international football can come back. And it's just really opened up... Uh, Again, what we said, a lot of uncertainty now that, that we shouldn't be talking about. You know, we should have been looking forward to the Olympic Games next year and the Euros. And actually all we're talking about is, you know, more uncertainty and, and a lack of clarity again from the Football Association on what is actually going on. And, and it's just mixed signals. And I think, you know, people are a little bit, you know, fed up of that now and they want to know what's going on. And, you know, we're talking about that. You can imagine again, as we've said, you know, how the players feel about that. Mm. You make a really interesting point there, uh, Rich, because mixed signals is exactly it. Rebecca, I mean, you, you just wonder whether the FA has learnt from the Mark Sampson mess that, that we saw a couple of years ago. Yeah, I can't say it inspires great confidence on, in the answer to that question. I mean, it, it does just beg the question why this hasn't really been thought through. I mean, even, you know, like I said, it, it wasn't a massive, massive surprise to know that Phil wasn't necessarily going to renew that contract. There have been questions about this tenure for, for weeks, if not months, um, um, and anyone who's looked at the women's game might know or might suspect that he might not necessarily want to renew or he might want it to look a bit different. And I don't quite understand why the FA didn't anticipate this scenario. And obviously you can't necessarily anticipate a link, but at least have a strategy for how they were going to do this. And um, Obviously, like Rich said, the, the biggest question we're now left with is this huge problem about the Olympics, the dates of the contract. And, and you want to be excited about an Olympics. They're huge in women's football. They're so important for the momentum of the game, which the FA always talk about. And actually, we're going to lose all of that if we're just faffing around trying to find a manager with, with no communications at all, really. Yeah, very interesting there. Rebecca Myers uh, from the Sunday Times with her thoughts there. Um, we will talk in depth about Team, G, uh, Team GB because it is really crucial and, and we need to go in depth on this properly because nobody understands really the, uh, the contract situation, which, which we'll talk about properly. I just want to read you some of the tweets that we've had coming in uh, while the show's been on. Geronimo says uh, Phil Neville's contract should have been terminated with immediate effect. Uh, Rookmeister said it was a solid decision. Jargon and good intentions will only take you so far. I hope the FA get a tried and tested women's gaffer in. Uh, George says, can't say I'm surprised starting off well enough, but the cracks were visible. And Lisa says it was based on gender last time. Why not base it on the best candidate this time? Now we are obviously going to talk about uh, the candidates as the show goes on but we are going to also uh, look back on exactly uh, what Phil Neville has achieved in his time as Lioness's boss. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2 with me Faker Ruthers. I'm alongside football journalists uh, Rebecca Myers of the Sunday Times, Susie Rack of The Guardian and writer Rich Laverty as well. Don't forget you can also get involved in the debate as well though. Tweet us your opinions or any questions at TalkSport 2 and we'll read them out throughout the show. Next up as I said I want your thoughts on what Lioness's boss Phil Neville has actually achieved during his time in the role. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio. Hi, I'm Gemma Bonnet and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. You, can, you, can, you lose, but I thought that the way we lost was exactly the way I wanted us to play. I said to my staff before the game, just before the game, I said, win, lose or draw, I want us to play a certain style. I said that to you guys, I've been saying it for 18 months. Uh, and the courage that they had to play football and to keep going and to battle, they, they left everything out there with, with no regrets. With no regrets, we lost the game. Uh, no regrets, we, we've come to the World Cup and we give it our absolute all. And that's what I said to them, I didn't want to see tears. There's, there should be smiles. We've had, we've had the best 46 days of our lives. We didn't want it to end. That was England manager Phil Neville reacting to that Women's World Cup semi-final defeat to the USA back last summer. I'm Faker Others, along with women's football writer Rich Laverty, The Guardian's Susie Rack and Rebecca Myers of The Times, all still socially distancing, broadcasting from all different corners of the UK. This is Women's Football Weekly, and it's a very, very special edition this week here on TalkSport 2 as we react to the news that the Lionesses will have a new manager next year. Uh, Susie, 
Susie, I want to start off with you about Phil Neville's tenure because your um, colleague Barney Ronne at the Guardian. Um, this is a tweet that he that he put out earlier on today. Appointment of Phil Neville as manager of England women still one of the most underrated, extraordinarily bad decisions English football has made in the last few years. Do you agree with that or a bit harsh? Barney's very good at not mincing his words, isn't he? Um, no, I think it's a, a completely fair comment. Um, the idea that they took on a manager in the first place who a, uh, had no experience within women's football, had shown no interest in women's football, had extremely little managerial experience full stop, um, and still managed to end up with the top job in women's football um, is a pretty damning indictment of uh, of the FA's recruitment strategy um, from start to finish. I mean, it was a, it was a mess from the moment they got rid of Samson. Um, you know, they the lot from the long list to the short list. Um, they had candidates dropping out as the pressure mounted, the scrutiny on the position kind of grew, and they were left with very, very few options. Um, in that respect, Phil Neville for them was a safe bet in that he had no history in the game, no baggage in the game um, to kind of trouble them at all. But it was a massive, massive risk. Um, and I think, you know, anyone looking at uh, the kind of most recent run of results in particular um, would say that it's been a failure. Um, you could say, well, he got to the semi-final World Cup, but if you actually look at the way they played through that World Cup, um, the lack of any real complete performances bar the the uh, Norway win, I, I don't think you can even necessarily say that that was a massive success. Rich Laverty, would you agree that it was a failure? Because it all started very well, you know, appointed in January 2018. Results seemed decent. He then took them at the, in early 2019 to the She Believes Cup. They lifted that. They went into the World Cup full of high, high hopes. Um, and he raised the profile of the game. So, you know, I know that... Obviously, they got to the, the semi-final. They didn't win a bronze like they had done under Mark Sampson in 2015. But there's still positives to take, aren't there? Yeah, it's a strange one in terms of, you know, like you laid it out there, if you'd have said two years ago that Phil Neville would, you know, qualify for the World Cup comfortably, get us an Olympic spot, win the She Believes and only get knocked out of a World Cup in the semi-final against the eventual champions. You'd have probably said, you know, that's not a bad couple of years but you know you take in some of the slack defending you know the just general mm. problems in defense you know from set pieces and obviously the run of results we've had since the world cup and you know unfortunately it takes away a lot of the good things that have happened and you know i felt for phil at the very very start because it wasn't his fault you know that the fa hired him and you know it wasn't his fault that the main candidates didn't want the job and, and he did come in and a lot of us questioned, you know, was he really interested in the women's game? Was he going to be passionate? And I think he's, he proved over the two years that he really was, you know, he threw himself into the job, but I, I've just not seen anything on the pitch that's telling me this team is going forward. You know, he's stuck by his principles and, and maybe you have to admire that, but you know, it, we don't look like a team that can play out from the back and, I think you can come out and say it's non-negotiable. You can come out and say, I'm going to play this style no matter what. But if it's not working, you have to change it. And at the end of the day, you know, he hasn't. And it's not costing his job. But, you know, I'm sure the run of results had an influence. You know, if we'd won the World Cup and, and won our our game since I'm not sure we'd be in this same position now. Yeah, adaptability very important. Football women's football writer Rich Laverty there. I've also got the Guardian Susie Rack and uh, the Sunday Times Rebecca Myers with me as well. But I I want you to all listen to what former Lioness Leanne Sanderson thinks. Uh, she was speaking on kickoff with Hugh Woosencroft here on Talksport last week. It's very disappointing, obviously, for it to not have gone the way that I don't think anybody planned. You know, when Phil got the job, as, as a Manchester United fan, I was a big advocate for him because, obviously, being ex-Manchester United. But I think from what we've seen, unfortunately, the women's game and the men's game, it's obviously football's football, you know, it's a universal language. But the women's game is completely different to the men's game. And I think, you know, Phil has shown a little bit of his naivety during this time of when he's coached the women's team. And, you know, I don't think it's necessarily that there's any animosity between him and the players, but I do think it was the right decision because I don't think that Phil is getting the best out of the players and for whatever reason I don't know the reason for that 
but I just don't think he's been getting the best out of them for a really long time. And I don't think the team has gone forward and I think the team has gone backwards. So I certainly do think it's a, it's, it's a good decision. It's unfortunate, you know, it's disappointing. And I think after the last game, um, you could see from his reaction, he took responsibility. You know, he said, it's all on me. And, you know, I think sometimes he's had a few mixed messages during this time. Um, but I think he's shown his lack of, you know, um, experience. So the team has gone backwards, according to former Lioness uh, Leanne Sanderson. Um, if that is the case, and we're looking at, what have we got, 14 months now until his contract will run out in July 2021, and we have the Olympics um, from 2020 moved to 2021 in August, a month later, the question is, if they've gone backwards, why on earth would they then stick with him in the GB role if they're going into their first major tournament in this run of now three back-to-back women's tournaments. And I want to just bring in um, former England manager Stuart Pearce, who's worked closely with Phil with the England under-21s because he had some really interesting thoughts on this. He's got a contract that runs for, for the next calendar year. It should be down to the FA to turn around and say, look, this isn't workable. You've not got a tournament at the end of it. Concentrate solely on the Olympic Games. There's your contract for the Olympic and the work you're going to do on that. We're going to pay you up accordingly and give a new uh, manager the opportunity to come through the door and start working straight away. Really interesting from uh, former England manager Stuart Pearce there. He says Phil should work solely on the Olympics. New managers should come in uh, straight away. By the way, Stuart Pearce was talking uh, with birthday boy Sam Matterface. He's on every Saturday, one till four on TalkSport, alongside former Arsenal winger uh, Perry Groves as well. And he also said, Stuart, which I thought was really interesting, it, is that Phil would be immense, has always been immensely proud of representing his country and just will not want to put that Olympics job in jeopardy because it's an opportunity of a lifetime. But Rebecca Myers from the Sunday Times is, is with us. Rebecca, do you think he's the right person to be taking Team GB to Tokyo? I think it, it sort of depends how you define right person. And I think certainly what we have to consider when we talk about the Tokyo kind of job and, and that point of the contract is that obviously you know, we don't just have a kind of wealth of candidates who are sat there waiting to take this job. It's going to be really difficult to find a successor, which I, I know we will talk about um, later on. But just on, on the basics, you know, it might be that he has to do it because we can't get someone else to do it. And actually, one thing I, I would say, um, and I, I agree with everything that's been said, really, and, and he isn't probably the right person to lead England forward, you know, into the future. But one thing we should never forget in terms of his achievements is how much his name has brought to women's football. And that is not necessarily um, a comfortable conversation to have. I don't think it's a comfortable thing for women's football to always sit with. But I will, you know, put my kind of hat in the ring and just say, I think the you know, the media attention, the fan interest that Phil Neville's name has brought to the women's game, we owe a huge debt to him for that. And I don't I don't feel sort of ashamed to say that, I don't think. Um, and I don't in that think you sense, should feel ashamed to say that, Rebecca, because I, I, I'm fully with you on that. And I do think that a lot of what Phil has done has been positive. And the thing that I don't quite understand, which is exactly what Stuart Pearce was, was saying, we don't even know if Phil Neville has a contract for the Olympics. You know, in the FA's statement, they suggested that they were still having a conversation with the British Olympic Association about who's going to take them. But he was the man who created a long list of players. He's the person who's been cultivating this team. So it wouldn't really make sense for someone else to take over. But at the same point, it wouldn't really make sense for him to take them. It's a really strange, yeah. you know, juxtaposition. And also, like, you know, Team GB is going to be such an interesting juggling question. It's going to be young players, older players, players about to retire, um, incredible players from, from Scotland, Wales, who, you know, otherwise won't often play with this team. And I think that takes man, well, woman management, as we say. And the one thing we do know, and I think pretty much everybody agrees on in, in the whole of women's football, is that Phil has shown to be a very, very good woman manager. Um, and a good people person with those players, and he knows them brilliantly. So it, it, I think it could be 
his chance to actually show what he can do. Yeah, Susie Rack from The Guardian. I mean, the FA now saying we're going to discuss steps with the British Olympic Association and the home nations with regard to Team GB football, not in a position to make any further comment at this time. But as Rebecca said, you know, Phil perhaps great woman manager, if you like, and he's already done a lot of a lot of this work. But what's interesting about Rebecca, what Rebecca said is that this job would not be desirable. And I can't really understand why leading Team GB to a Tokyo Olympics would not be desirable. Yeah, I mean, first off, I'd like totally echo the points that Rebecca and Rich said. I, I, in a way, I feel a little bit sorry for Phil um, because... You know, when he signed up to this contract, which was, you know, a, a time period that he he wanted to take on and agreed to, he was going to be managing through two major tournaments plus the Olympics. Um, and that's been ripped up. And it's, it's harsh in a way for him to not at least have those uh, terms as they stood on the table. Um, obviously, no one can um, can kind of predict or make up for the fact that those tournaments have shifted um it's an extraordinary time and extraordinary circumstance but um i think it's very much a case of the fa um hedging their bets by not announcing who's going to be a manager for or the olympics of team gb um in like a fear of not getting the right person for the england job um driving it uh so that they basically are between a rock and a hard place. They go for the person that they really, really want. That person can't do the job uh, with the Olympics for whatever reason. Um, They may have personal um, reasons or club commitments or whatever it may be. It means they can't take on the role of Team GB manager. If they've already got rid of Phil um, and already told him he's not doing it, then they're left with a gap and are having to find someone in the interim or go to their plan B Lionetta's manager if they keep it and give it to Phil they could get their you know their prime their preferred candidate for the England job saying I don't want it because I want team GB too so they've got a really difficult situation um, and it's it's not an easy one to resolve. Yeah, I understand their point of view with that, Susie, uh, for sure. But you should always have a plan B and a plan C and a plan D, I would say, particularly in this kind of instance. But, you know, Mm. as Rebecca said, from an outsider looking in, maybe talking about comments you hear a lot nowadays from non-female football fans, the, the women's game is growing. It's on TV a lot. And, you know, Phil has brought in a lot of that perceived profile. Sponsors now, Nike, Barclays, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we, we could go on with it. Lots more to discuss here on Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. By the way, we did a poll on Twitter today to get your thoughts. So we asked you, should the FA appoint a new manager now? Uh, the vote was a very simple yes or no. And here is the result. 61% of you voted yes, 39% voting no. So the majority of people saying that the FA should immediately appoint a new manager and then we'd all know where we stand. Uh, You've also been getting in touch on Twitter at TalkSport2. Justin says it would probably be good to get a period of transition in place. Continuity is rare within football management. An opportunity for that to happen. Interesting thoughts. And Simon says definitely need to bring in someone new straight away or we risk going further behind the nations that have overtaken us. I'm Faker Others alongside women's football writer Rich Laverty, The Guardian's Susie Rack and Rebecca Myers of The Sunday Times. All socially distanced each other in different places around the UK. We've not even decided who's in the running to be the next England manager yet. We're going to be doing that before seven. And if there was a FIFA Pro London derby, who do you think would win between between Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert and Arsenal's Leah Williamson? Find out next here on TalkSport 2. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Women's Football Weekly. We're loving it. We're absolutely loving it. It's brilliant. On TalkSport 2. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with me, Faker Others. Tonight we're asking for your thoughts on the announcement that Phil Neville will leave his Lionesses manager role next year. Uh, Emma says, I think while no games are being played, the FA should be looking at getting the best coach for the role and appoint them straight away. I don't think Neville should continue. Why let him take us to the next tournament? Dean says, with Phil Neville on his way out, a lot of people saying his successor should be a female coach, but why? Surely we should just have the best person for the job. And Will says, why does Phil Neville always get so much stick? He still has a better win rate than Hope Powell. Uh, give us a text on at TalkSport2 and let us know your thoughts. I'll read them out throughout the show. Uh, right, we're discussing who's in the running to be the next England manager next with football journalist Rebecca Myers of the Sunday Times, Susie Rack of The Guardian and writer Rich Laverty. But first, let's catch up with two Barclays FAWSL players who are doing their bit to raise money for the NHS Charities Together Cup this week. Good evening to two of my favourites. Not that I'm biased in any way at all, but England and Arsenal defender Leah Williamson and Scotland and Chelsea midfielder Erin Cuthbert. How are you both? You're right. Very well, thanks. Very well. Good, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Getting into a routine now under lockdown, Erin? Yeah, um, really enjoying it actually, but it's you know, it's the best of a, a bad situation at the moment. I think it took me a couple of weeks, but I'm I'm getting used to it now. And it's a reality and we all have to stay at home for the greater good sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think people are starting to get into a bit of a rhythm. And of course, people are coming up with innovative, innovative ways to keep us all entertained as well as doing some good. Uh, now, you both usually play against each other, but you've actually come together to play on the same team in an event that's going on. It's an online football tournament called the All-Star FIFA 20 tournament. So athletes and celebrities have been involved, but in the safety of their own home, obviously, uh, but raising funds for the COVID-19 urgent appeal. Leah, can you explain the format to our listeners who, who might not have seen what's been going on? Yeah, so um, we've been put into teams of three. Uh, me, Erin and Viv. Um, Vivian Miedemar, we're on one team. Uh, we're Team Holland, actually. Not sure how I feel about that, but we'll go with it. How uh, does that work? <laughs> yeah, I think we just let... Uh, I think if we didn't let the top goal scorer be the uh, the leader, I think we'd we'd look a bit silly. Fair enough, um, fair enough. We give her away sometimes. Um, yeah, basically, we play against um, other team made up of three people, um, and then eventually everybody will progress if they win out of their group games. So I don't think we did too well today. Two losses and one win. Oh, uh, and I won't give any prizes to guess who won. Well, their game. I'm presuming that Vivian Miedemar won her game. <laughs> so the next question yeah. I have for you, clearly she is the best FIFA player among the three of you, but who is the best FIFA player between the two of you, Erin Cuthbert and Leah Williamson? Erin, uh, do you I'll want to tell you me answer. or should I? <laughs> no, I'll let you answer. <laughs> well, yesterday we had, a, we had a quite a closely uh, contested match to start with. I can't remember the score, but I did lose. Um, but it was in the second game. I might have got two people sent off and uh, ended up losing 6-1, I think. Wow. 
Wow. Okay, so that's, a, that's an easy <laughs> win for Erin then in that case. Yeah, quite definitive answer there. It's Erin. Yeah. Wow, that's very magnanimous of you and, and very honest as well. Um, so 12 <laughs> rounds, teams made up of three players with a kind of supporting cheerleader and ambassador. Um, so there's the three of you um, and you're called Team Artemis. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And who's your cheerleader then? I believe it's Jill Scott. Okay, well, if anyone was going to be a cheerleader, I could see that Jill Scott would be a very good cheerleader. <laughs> that is yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so round one took place today. You've already alluded to what happened, but um, who did you play, Erin, uh, and what happened? So I played Julie Westcott about half an hour ago, so I'm still cooling off, so if you hear any... <laughs> Any angry words from me right now, you know why. But, um, yeah, so I played Julian Lescott. Um, good game, but I had all the banter. But I came up, I was up twice in the game, but he managed to bring it back. And he's a good player. I've heard from a few people that he plays a lot. So that makes me feel a little bit better. A little bit, but you don't like losing, do you? No, I don't. I'm still annoyed. You know, I'm competitive. <laughs> Brilliant. Leah, it didn't go so well for you. Who were you up against and how good were they? <laughs> I was up against Sean Mark Phillips. I feel like we were quite evenly contested, to be honest. Um, both not played FIFA on PS4 for a while. So, um, yeah, I actually pulled it back twice, came from behind twice, bring it back to 2-2. But, uh, yeah, he, he pipped me 3-2. Um, and I had to put Virgil van Dijk up front at the end to try and give me a little bit of hope. But, uh, yeah, it didn't pay off. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, do you know, he's done well this season, so why wouldn't you? You've got to throw it all exactly, out there. Exactly. Um, any dirty tricks? You'd already said that you'd had two players sent off earlier on. Did you Did you pull any dirty tricks on short run No, I, I kept my head today. I didn't get angry. I didn't get angry. It was a lapse in concentration yesterday. That's what I'm putting it down to. So, um, yeah, I, I stayed cool. Amazing, amazing. So Vivian Miedemar beat Fabrice Mwamba. So at least you've got, you know, a, a win on the board. But, I mean, it must have been a no-brainer, really, agreeing to do this for the NHS Charities Together Cup, supporting the NHS, wasn't it, Erin? Well, for me, it's kind of, I'm stuck at home. I've, I've already volunteered for the system um, at my local area, and I've not been selected yet. So it was me, it's just a way of me finding something to do and something to help because as footballers we're used to being on the go all the time we're so busy we're never got a minute to ourselves and now I, I don't know what to do with myself now that I'm stuck at home I can't see friends or anything so I thought I'd put my mind to it and figure out what I could do and I thought you know what that's, this is a great opportunity for one to have a bit of fun kind of show my competitive element as well uh, and you know t get back to kind of playing in a in a team which is quite fun and just enjoying it and it's for a great cause like we're trying to raise so so much money so hopefully everyone can be as generous as possible because our frontline staff are doing amazing yeah they absolutely are i mean it must have been fantastic you weren't actually on a pitch but just playing football again must have been lovely yeah like it, it was strange because i was like wow like it feels like game day i woke up this morning i was like right should i should i have my pasta three hours before <laughs> I woke up and had my had my coffee and I was preparing as if I would for a game because it's you know it's been six weeks since I've kind of felt the feeling that that's been close to kind of what I felt today so it was quite nice and hoping football can resume soon. What, what was your warm up? Pre match cracking of the fingers or you know stretching out? <laughs> I will. I actually played uh, I played Vivian Miedemeyer earlier uh, and I also played Lisa Evans so they were kind of my warm up games. Done, done all right in, in those games. So I was feeling quite good. And then I went into the, um, the game with Jolene and he just outplayed me a little bit. It was a close contest, but he came out on top. Well, there's always tomorrow, because what happens next? There's, there's another round, isn't there? Do you know what? I don't know if there is. I need, I need to check that, um, because I was under the assumption that if we had to win our games to, to go through. So I don't know if we, we might be out. Oh, right. Well, oh, dear. That's not good then. No, it's but quite savage. It is very savage. But, I mean, I suppose Vivian Miedemar wouldn't be carrying on for you in, in that case because that's it. The uh, what, what were the team that you were playing? Um, what was their name? Um, I can't even remember. It begins with a P. Um, oh, I don't, I'm not even going to say. Poseidon. Team Poseidon. That's it. Team Poseidon. <laughs> um, but most importantly, where do people need to go to watch and donate? Because, of course, that is the most important thing. Um, and obviously, donating in your names to encourage, it, uh, to encourage people uh, to get you to win uh, as well. 
Yeah, so there is a... If you go onto the Facebook, the Instagram and the Twitter of Celebrity Esports, you will find the links. And they're streaming the games live on YouTube. Every game is being streamed live. Chris Kamara is currently commentating on those games, so it's, it's quite fun. And you're able to access all the links. The... Think the donation page is also on all the social media pages, so you're able to find uh, how to donate, and you can actually donate through uh, texting a number as well. Yeah, that number, 70533, by the way, and you can text your amount with names Leah or Erin, uh, but, of course, read the T's and C's on the website as well. Um, I wonder whether Chris Kamara has missed any sendings off. I'm sure that would be part of all the fun. Um, away from the FIFA Pro Tournament, though, this evening uh, we're talking about the announcement that Phil Neville's position as England manager, Leah, finishes in July next year. Um, what's been your reaction to the news? I mean, I can imagine the same as all the rest of the girls. You know, we're quite shocked. Um, you know, it's 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 weird, really. We're I feel quite out of touch with the England setup um, in terms of like obviously we're not playing football. We're not we're not out on the pitches every week. We should have already had another camp uh, since she believes. You know, so it's it's quite um, a weird process, I suppose, and probably something that will never happen again. Um, but you know, it's um, if it's the right decision. For, for Phil and, and that decision's been made, then you know you know what it's always like. It's look look to the future and and see what's going to happen next. Yeah, looking to the future is really important, but it must be difficult when you know that you've got a year to play under your current manager, but he's not going to be taking you to a major tournament, for example, if he didn't go to the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, obviously, ideal situation. You, you know, you'd never plan for that, um, but I think especially for a player like myself, who's sort of trying to establish establish herself in a team um and sort of you know there's there's still a lot of time for me to to make big improvements um and i think you know this time it you know it doesn't really change my goal personally um obviously for the team you know we'll see we'll see how the dynamics of it work but um for me you know and and having a sort of development program already in place with phil um it doesn't change too much for me like that but um yeah i can imagine on a on a team front you know we'll we'll sort of have to figure it out as we go yeah be adaptable for sure um erin though it must be really interesting from your point of view because obviously usually the team gb manager is the england manager uh, you're going to an olympics now next year um tokyo 2020 in 2021 and a lot had been said about what phil was going to do in terms of would he stick mainly with his lionesses or what would he do looking for um scotland wales and, I and northern ireland players for, from a from a scotland internationals point of view um if it doesn't end up being phil that must surely be a, a positive thing for you potentially i don't really know if it was because we we were in a degree of communication of course yes we had qualifiers for uh, euro 2020 uh, with scotland that w that was supposed to be, sorry, 2021. So that's now 2022. So that's been changed as well. So I think it's difficult to actually comment on how it was going to be if Phil was there or Phil wasn't there because I didn't actually have a camp with him. I wasn't able to see his ideas, his formation, his, his philosophy sort of thing. So for me, it's difficult to comment on a, on a manager that's not in my national team. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's a fair enough point. But, you know, fingers crossed uh, f for the Olympics, depending on on which way it goes, you know, somebody else uh, for both of you to impress. And I'll keep my fingers crossed for you both and hope that you do better in terms of that than you have done in the FIFA Pro Tournament. Anyway, <laughs> uh, right, Ars Arsenal and Lionesses uh, uh, defender Leah Will Williamson and, of course, Erin Cuthbert, Chelsea and Scotland International joining us here on Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much much uh, right time to see what you voted for in our twitter poll we asked you of course should the fa appoint a new manager now yes or no the result is in 61 percent voted yes 39 percent of you uh, voted no you are listening to women's football weekly on talk sport 2 with me faker others we're fast approaching 7 p.m here we're talking england managers and who's in the running for the gig next Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Ashley from Putnam Hotspur and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others and you're listening to a very special edition of Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. 
elephant in the room time. We've had a few of them stomping around. This is the big one, though. Who will be the next manager of the Lionesses following the announcement last week that Phil Neville will step down in July at the end of his contract? Discussing it with us are three of the industry's finest women's football journalists, Rebecca Myers of the Sunday Times, Susie Rack of The Guardian, and writer Rich Laverty. So this is where it all kind of feels a little bit messy, doesn't it? We're still unclear, as we were saying, as to who's going to be leading Team GB to the Olympics that start on the 23rd of July next year after the end of Phil Neville's contract. Not a lot of time between the end of the Olympics and then the start of the 2022 Euros. So, to be honest, let's get your thoughts on when a new manager should be installed, which we've kind of touched on with a lot of our listeners. Our poll saying 61% wanted a new manager installed now. If that new manager was going to be installed now, Rich Laverty... Who would be your number one candidate and who would be your B and C choices? Oh, it's so tough. I mean, you know, a lot of people say Emma Hayes, but Emma has, you know, almost ruled herself out of it already. I think, you know, I want someone to come in who's going to win. And, you know, we talked about growing the game earlier on, and but I've watched England lose three semi-finals in a row. And I think the biggest way we can grow our game is to win the Olympics or to win our home Euros in front of 90,000 of our own fans. So you look at who's available with an international pedigree and, and you look at Jill Ellis straight away. But I think Jill has to come with the package almost, you know, her coaching staff. Obviously, Dawn Scott's here. Her assistant, Tony Gustafsson, is a free agent. Um, and, yeah, I think in short term, you're looking for someone now, she'd probably be number one choice if you could bring her staff with her as well. Okay, say Jill Ellis turns around to you and says, no, loving my life in uh, the US, it's warmer over here, don't want to come back home. Who's your B? Well, that's where it gets more difficult because it's who's available and who would want it. You know, I think someone like Nick Cushing, you know, was almost unofficial England manager over the last five, six years when you look through the squad and the amount of the players, and especially the younger ones that he has coached over the last six years is incredible, but... He's just taken that new role in the US, so it might rule him out, but uh, he'd be my second choice because I think he, he would do genuinely a very, very good job. Mm, Rebecca Myers from the Sunday Times, same question goes to you. I want your A, your B and your C choices, please. Oh, it's so difficult. I, again, sort of presented in no particular order. Um, I, I would love to see Nick Cushing get it. I think he would be phenomenal. Like Rich said, he has essentially coached the majority of the England squad anyway through his role at Man City. Um, we know that the players there absolutely loved him. I can't count the number of interviews I've done where players have said that, you know, his belief in them are, are the, is the reason why they've stayed in the game. So I would love to see him get that. He's, you know, proper put time into the women's game over the years. He's a real kind of homegrown talent of ours. And I think he'd be brilliant. Casey Stoney, likewise, um, again, as with all these candidates, massive questions over contracts. And I think her contract runs to 2022 at Man U, but again, and also a woman, which would be amazing. And then obviously Jill Ellis is this kind of <laughs> big kind of unachievable dream that we all have. But but the profile she would bring, obviously, to the, to the game here would just be phenomenal. Why should she be unachievable if England want to be winners? Not necessarily, I suppose. I think certainly budget would be a consideration. She is sure, was surely on a lot more in the US than, than we would currently be paying a, a head coach or, or potentially be paying um, one of the other candidates. Um, as Rich said, you've also then got to ask questions of um, whether we take on more of her team. Obviously, we've already got Dawn Scott, so that could be you know attractive to, to both of them potentially. Um, but she certainly feels like the slightly more out-of-reach candidate, maybe. Mm, and that's a shame, really. And that is something that Phil Neville himself has been trying to instill in the FA and instill in uh, the Lionesses, that winning mentality. And if you have a winning mentality, you want to go out for the best, surely. Susie Rack, same question goes to you. Oh, I'd echo the Nick Cushing love, for sure. Um, every player that I've spoke to that's worked with him have said he's by far... Uh, the best manager that they've ever worked with, tactically brilliant. He's um, got such a fantastic rapport with players. Um, I'd put a shout in for Laura Harvey, um, former Arsenal manager who's been managing the States, is now in the youth set up in the US um, uh, with the US women's national team. Um, Casey Stoney is obviously a great choice um, as well. Jill Ellis, 
I would love to see her come. I think uh, reunite her with Dawn Scott, the highest high performance coach, would be um, a really great step. Uh, I agree with Rebecca about issue of wage, but there's also um, uh, another issue with Joellis in that she she wasn't the most popular manager in the world um, in the US. Um, fans in particular, very kind of lukewarm towards her to be polite um and the players themselves tried to get rid of her after the uh 2016 olympics uh when the us had a kind of a little bit of disaster and crashed out um in the quarterfinals so she's not she comes with a little bit of baggage as well as that massive two-time world cup wing reputation i'd love to see her though Mm. Two very, very quick questions because we're fast running out of time. Um, Chief football writer for The Times, Henry Winter, said the successor should be female. The Times, Molly Hudson, though, uh, said she's not fussed whether it's a male or female successor, but the FA would definitely prefer a female. Any uh, preference, Rebecca Myers? You know what? This is going to shock everyone, um, given my sort of reputation as rampant feminist, but I actually don't have a preference. And I think the greatest service we can do to women's football and the greatest respect we can show to our game is to appoint someone based on their talent, not on their gender. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Also, a handover... Phil Neville going out, new person coming in, a little bit like Roberto Mancini to Pep Guardiola. How important is that, Susie Rack? Oh, extremely important. I mean, it's going to be a really, really um, difficult time, uh, particularly the Olympics. Um, if a manager comes in before the Olympics and takes charge of that, there's a lot to get through in a very, very short space of time. Um, once they're in, the tournaments come thick and fast. So having a clean hand over with Phil assisting as much as possible, I think is going to be extremely important for that reason. Rebecca Myers, one final question to you before we wrap up. Um, on Phil Neville now, we've discussed about women's football in general, but what do you think he's going to do? Will he stay in management? You know, everybody talked about this being a stepping stone for him. Could you even see that him he would stay in women's football? I, I certainly think, and it has been reported, that he's we kind of understand that he wouldn't rule out a role in women's football. I'd love to see him take another role in women's football. I would love to see the club game... You know, given that profile, I'd love to see journalists from papers who don't normally go to these things following him around the women's football pitch of the country. Um, I think, you know, we've wondered for a while if if this might be his way into the men's game. I I can't see, you know, for example, a Premier League job straight after this. But um, I certainly hope that he uses those those player management skills that he's shown he really has and, and stays in in the game a bit. Thank you so much for all your thoughts. Rebecca Myers from the Sunday Times, Rich Laverty, women's football writer, and Susie Rack from The Guardian couldn't have done this special Women's Football Weekly without any of you. Just a little bit of time to read out a few more final tweets on tonight's subject matter. Um, Amelia says, Jill Ellis for manager, never won a friendly tournament and took us from second in the world to sixth. Susan, uh, whoever the best person is, Jill Ellis looks to have an excellent track record as a coach. And Emma says, I'd like Emma Hayes, but she's ruled herself out. Nick Cushing or Jill Ellis, eventually Casey Stoney, but at the moment I think it's too early in her coaching career. Uh, next week we're going to continue to look at the national game and we're going to be discussing where the game is now. Is women's football healthy? Has it come far enough or in fact gone backwards as some of you are suggesting? Where do the Lionesses sit on the worldwide stage now? So much to discuss and we need your views as well. Do join us 6pm next Monday on TalkSport 2. Many thanks tonight though to our finest debaters, Susie Rack of the Guardian, Sunday Times, Rebecca Myers, and of course, women's football writer, Rich Laverty. Don't forget to log on to YouTube and support Arsenal's Leah Williamson and Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert in the NHS Charities Together Cup FIFA 20 competition. Go to the Celebrity Esports YouTube channel, donate, and of course, support our marvellous NHS workers. And of course, do let your friends know we're here every week talking all things women's football. Even while there's no live sport, it doesn't matter. Tell your friends and family to download our podcast, subscribe Subscribe on Spotify and on Apple products. Women's Football Weekly. We're loving it. We're absolutely loving it. It's brilliant. On TalkSport 2. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.